0: Hey, hey everyone. Welcome back to Quality Matters. I'm your host, Darcy Chambers. I'm Kyle. And we're here with a guest, Mark Coldiron, who was counting me down unexpectedly (laughs) to get started. I didn't know we added a director to our podcast. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the show, Mark.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Darcy. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality, so whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work
2: that matters. Thank you, thank you Darcy, glad to be here.
0: Alright, what are we talking about Kyle?
2: Well this is something that has uh fascinated me since uh, an idea that's fascinating me since the uh, whole quarantine hit is i kind of expected you know once the 15 days turned into 30 days and we realized that this was going to drag on for some indefinite period of time um is if, uh, big fear was that you know a lot of our clients were were, were going to be really really hurt and suffer from this and, and unfortunately that that is the case and I kind of uh, assume that folks would fall into a couple of camps. You'd have some folks that just hunker down and and just hope to weather the storm and hope that the storm passes quickly. Mm -hmm. You're going to have another camp of folks that are going to say, okay, well, while we're not super busy with production, let's take what time we can to try to improve. Let's take what time we can to try to make ourselves uh, more ready and more marketable once the economy starts getting back on its feet so that we can be leading the pack. And, you know, I've been talking with uh, Mark here for a while for, you know, various things and projects and so forth, and they definitely fall into that latter camp. And so I thought I'd have him on and talk about, you know, wh- what are y'all doing and, you know, what are some of the improvements you're trying to make and, and what's the, the motivation behind it?
1: Well, the thing is, there's an old adage that, you know, if, if you <laughs> sit back and hold still, you'll stagnate and die. <laughs> no company can afford just to march in place and hope to get ahead or stay current or stay viable in, in today's market. It's too rapid, too technologically advanced, and the competition is too keen. So you're right, with Rev uh COVID hit everybody hard in the industry, especially oil and gas, but across the nation. Um, fortunately, we were set up in such a way that we have teams and some other programs to work remotely. So we were still able to communicate move forward, train, stay technologically uh, not only viable, but improve our processes and how we're going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out great from that aspect and the fact that we have not stagnated and died on the vine. With old technology, you're just waiting for things to happen. We're making things happen. We have different global practices. Our parent company is Burns and McDonald. And we have increased... Our worldview from just basic oil and gas, and power plants, small version power plants at the time, to a larger worldview and different global practices, and we've used this time productively to not only move into those practices to become more viable, but to also increase our our training and how we're going to interact.
2: Well, I, I love it. The uh, you know that's something I've seen with the other folks, Jen, as well. We've talked to a couple of. Uh, um, automotive folks that are dealing with medical devices and aerospace and I've you know talked to some other folks in aerospace who are doing the same thing they're jumping out to other other areas because a lot of these skills uh, are, are good in other other avenues mm-hmm. but y'all aren't able to just you know out of the blue jump into a new market so how do you take you, the certain skill set that you've got you know maybe in the oil and gas and power plant world how, how do you translate those skills and over somewhere else
1: well the skill sets while the the, uh, discipline itself is fixed, oil and gas, everybody knows what oil and gas does, you still have people have to know how to read drawings, Uh how to engineer, how to do the work, how to plan. All of that transfers to other industries. All you have to do is learn particulars and what your deliverables are and what the client's needs are, specifications, and how you're going to meet those deliverables. So your work ethic and how you're going to look at things, what your core missions are, what your core values are, are always transferable to to new markets.
2: Makes sense, that's something that uh, we we talk about a lot, you know, talk about mission and values is, you know, no uh, unfamiliar word to our podcast is culture. I don't think hardly Mm -hmm. an episode goes by we don't talk about culture. And uh, we did a whole mini series on the ISO 9001 and, uh, you know, taking a look at the eight quality management principles or seven quality management principles, depending on which era you're, you read it from, Mm -hmm. but, um, is none of it's overtly technical. It's, it's, it's about values. It's about mission It's about culture.
1: Most good leadership is, is common sense coming from a military background. It's how you treat your people, how you want to be treated, how you treat your clients, you know, how you want to, uh, provide them the best you can to generate their not so much gratitude, but, um, Goodwill mm-hmm. and their satisfaction, so that they look to you as their go-to person to provide more business to, which increases your profitability yep. and your ability to conduct business as well. So it's a it's a complete circle.
2: Yeah. What about uh, you know various certifications? What do you have to maintain, and how's it change when you, when you're moving around in these uh, different industries? Well, right now,
1: some industries still have the same criteria that oil and gas has or power generation has some don't now RevCAM has their asu pp stamps you know we have our national board number we requalify recertify every three years which is one of my jobs to do but with these new global practices um let's use food for example mm-hmm. food's don't have the same criteria in far as far as their production lines go that you would find in oil and gas because naturally, inherently, the dangers and what goes on are completely different than right. you have to, work, to worry about. With that said, there are always areas that you do have to fall back, primarily with ASME B31.1. Mm-hmm.
2: What's, what's that? Process piping? Yeah, yes. talk about it. Okay. (laughs) Most folks aren't necessarily going to know what any of these standards are. B31
1: 3 process piping, the criteria is met when you have certain things under a certain pressure, certain temperature. Um, Usually because it has an ability to blow up or explode or fracture or cause harm. Everything, as they used to say, that are in the code books were written in blood, and this is absolutely true. So the code books, uh, the code standards were set to keep people from making mistakes. With that said, getting back to the primary focus, when you have a production line that's moving um, potato chips or popcorn or whatever, okay, if something happens to blow up and it's moving through there at 15 PSI, you might get showered in popcorn or potato chip flakes, but, you know, you're going to go take a shower, you're going to be fine. If you have pipe delaminate or something fracture when it's running through at 750 PSI, and there's a different set of standards and there's different repercussions and, and results. So even there, at times, you can have things for water or whatever you run through that goes in the production yep. process that we still have to maintain and mitigate the risk both for the client and for ourselves as a company doing the work. And that's where we come in on that. So.
2: Um, turn that down. That's yours. Turn it down. Sorry, we got a beep, beep going on in the background. Driving me crazy. I forgot to turn the volume down on my computer. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll edit that out. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: so <laughs> driving me crazy. I'm like beep what my? beep.
0: beep. Sorry.
1: Not- <laughs> so that's just that's that's one example. of Other side of the coin. Aviation fueling. Yeah. Aviation fueling. When you're doing the work there, you have to be very very particular in how you do your work because naturally there's inherent dangers to make mm-hmm. sure it's done right, not only at the time of, of fabrication and installation, but for the long-term use. You have to turn it over, ready to go, completely safe, and doing its job. So.
2: Gotcha. So what, uh, you know, if you're talking about uh, from... You know, piping with uh, oil and gas, or you know, uh, food. What's more uh, strictly regulated, from from your perspective? What what's uh, what's got more requirements you have to meet? Oh, naturally, oil
1: and gas, or power generation, anything that has to do with live steam, chemicals, Mm -hmm. processes that have an inherent ability to explode, catch fire, or, or be caustic, cause bodily harm or injury, are naturally going to be much more stringent than something that, that doesn't have that same danger factor.
2: Yeah, and I, I, um, I think that's something that folks that uh, don't work in the industry sometimes would find very, very interesting. That when you look at, you know, food safety versus, uh, you know, almost any other form of manufacturing, the requirements are just night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, there's no uh, necessary food safety uh, or uh, food manufacturing standards out there like there are for the oil and gas world. You know it's. <laughs> Well, you talk about ASME is used for so much for uh, the the requirements uh, across the board.
1: Right. But the thing is, and let me, let me interject here, and I'm not a subject matter expert on this, but I do know that while we have our standards in the oil and gas and power generation and other areas that rely on ASME codes, when you're talking about foods, mm-hmm. big pharma, and other things, they have a whole different set of criteria mm-hmm. to make sure that whatever the consumer is, is winding up with... Yep is safe to eat, to use, and move forward there. Fortunately, right now, um, and I'm not saying that I won't ever have to learn, the quality standards internally for things like Big Pharma and foods are done by them internally. Right. Mm -hmm. Not by us as as a contractor putting things out. Um, Because one, if quality was tasting chips and pretzels and popcorn, I don't know what I do because I'm trying to maintain a diet. So I don't know if I want the quality aspect from that, that point of view.
2: Uh, well, I guess that's where you have to uh, to you'd have to sample not only all the potato chips every day, but then you also have to sample the weight loss drugs at the same time.
1: And you would also have to have the salsa because it might taste differently when you're having salsa or queso or something like that. Kyle yeah.
0: was I, convinced I was making some Christmas candy yesterday, and he said, I need to sample it. Yes. And I said, I already sampled it. It's okay. He said, no, you have to have an external auditor. You can't do your own <laughs> That That is excellent
1: quality assurance.
0: <laughs> so y'all think I'm joking when I say that this is what we talk about all the time, but, you know, yeah, making it really Christmas is. candy, it, it happens. I, <laughs> I understand.
2: Um <laughs> So when you're dealing with work internationally, are you know you talk about ASME? Is that still accepted for international work, or is that just in America? Do you have to worry about that uh, differently in other scenarios?
1: Okay, ASME is recognized worldwide. Um, and let's move to AWS for a minute, mm-hmm. such as CWI. If you look at Canada, Canada has their own certification program, but they will accept an American CWI. Okay. To A. AS- certain level, there's levels in Canada, you have to go up there and and certify as well for their their work. Um, CWI is recognized by many countries. We also have a reciprocal program with their certifications. Mm. And again, to a greater or lesser degree, depending on what the experience level of the individual is and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So yes, there is relevance. There is relevance. It's it's widely respected. Very
2: interesting. So what are some things, if, if you had any advice for uh, some of the other smaller shops that are out there and, and they're struggling right now to uh, to maintain a quality management program what are some some advice you might have for these folks that you know are cash flows suffering you know some of the head counts down H- how could they do a better job maintaining things in this uh, odd environment
1: you know and that's a, a funny question because Not being an owner of a shop, I can't begin to imagine the stresses and strains they're under trying to maintain a small business that's feeding their family. Um, However, I will only say this to be viable in the market. Don't neglect quality or safety in order to put your product on the street because if your deliverables don't meet the standards, then you've wasted your time and your money and your effort. And you'll lose business and this is a small industry this is a small world word of mouth gets out so quality is an investment that you
2: should always be willing to make That, uh, <laughs> yep we uh, we did a, a panel discussion with uh, OGG recently and that's that's what uh, one of the topics that came up is you know quality is so often seen as a uh, cost you know it's it's you know one of these bottom line uh, Um, issues. And it it really is. It's it's an asset to the organization. It is part of the the revenue driving process.
1: Well, you hit on something that's near and dear to my heart about being passionate about things. Everybody talks about the cost of poor quality. It's much, much cheaper to build something the correct way the first time out of the gate than it is to go back and do the rework, the repair work, or whatever issue is wrong with it. There are schools of thought that Rework costs five times the original cost of doing a project. Mm -hmm. There are other schools of thought that say seven times. Personally, (laughs) I lean toward the seven times because whatever your cost was of the initial fabrication and installation, the fabrication, the welding, the NDE involved, the hydrostatic testing, okay, just to name four of the areas, when you have to go back in there, now you have to cut it out. Mm -hmm. So now you've lost all that. You have to reprep or replace then you have to go back in you have to reshoot rehydro you've lost time against your your critical path Uh because you've made a mistake which is another cost factor that's not looked at you have to look at client satisfaction which is another factor that's Uh that you have you must look at that is usually overlooked in that five figure or, or five category aspect so there's a much greater impact to the cost of poor quality than just going out, cutting it apart, re-prepping it, and re-welding it.
2: Yep. We, um, that's something we've talked about before as well. had a client uh, recently <clears throat> call us wanting some help with calculating their, their cost of poor quality for, uh, for a review that they were going through. And I was like, well, can you, you know, they were a little bit last minute. So I was like, okay, well, can you just show me the metric that you said you were going to calculate to begin with because like it's not as simple as just just calculate the cost and so what they showed was well they just counted that the direct cost from the knock conformance report the direct labor and the direct material from the rework but that is such a small piece of it absolutely it's such a small piece because even when you're the time that you're spending doing that rework imagine if you could have sent That same crew doing some improvement in the organization, you know, whatever maintenance operations, new ideas. You know, this is so much wasted talent, wasted uh, capital. You you literally can't afford to do it.
1: And see, that's the effect on the critical path I mentioned, because if you if you have x number of people plan to do x number of jobs to meet your critical path and hit certain milestones, especially if there's liquidated damages or other. Mm-hmm. penalties involved when you make it. Okay, if if instead of moving forward on the next project, the next work package, you have to pull back and put these same people going back and doing something that you already counted on having done and accepted. Yep. You don't have twice the people, you don't get no. the extra mm-hmm. time. That's gone. Yeah. The whole especially so,
2: for smaller shop, the whole rest of your year every single goal you had just got set back mm-hmm. it's not just this one project that the cost happened on so
1: and if you sit back and say okay i'll make up the difference in labor okay now you have an additional labor cost that you weren't planning on that yep. has to come back
0: mm-hmm.
2: yep and, and that yeah it it sticks with you it it the impacts last a long time so <clears throat> we talk a lot about certifications so you know, what's the value to you of having a, a certification versus just a, a compliant management system?
1: All right, having a certification, and they, they do go hand in hand. You have your, your quality management system in place, which governs how you're going to do work through all aspects of your company. The people that are doing that work should have their certification to show that not only are they cognizant of how it should be done, but they have a proven ability, they have a demonstrated ability to be able to do that work. And I'm going to say something here that is going to make a lot of your listeners very angry. (laughs) But this, this is personal opinion. You have two categories out there. You have AWS CWI. And then you have people that have CPWIs. And I've had a couple of individuals that have CPWIs that got my contact information, call me. One was very irate when I told him that I wouldn't and couldn't hire them. And his response was, well, I have a CPWI. People that have taken that CPWI, from what I understand, can go to a seminar, two to three days, sit there, get the information, go back to the restaurant or back to a room, 10 or 11 get together, they go through, they take the test as a group. Which Mm -hmm. means you have 11 people that only pass with a grade as high as the smartest individual in there. (laughs) And you you, you don't know where on the power curve he is actually lining up and what they do know or don't know. You do know that they depend on somebody else to do their work as a CWI and all of my personnel are CWIs, all of those that work with me. And I say work with me, not for me, it's a team effort, they have Demonstrate they understand a body of knowledge how to do calculations and they've done it on their own and been tested and qualified right. and once they have that they have the basic level then they come out and get to put that to use and I try to uh, provide additional training additional experience to improve upon that certification and that's the difference between the two I have a proven commodity with somebody that I hire that has a CWI makes
2: sense Makes sense. You got anything?
0: I think that's probably good information. Maybe some of our listeners don't know that about the C. What was it, CPWI? CPWI. Yeah, I think maybe people don't know that.
1: And yeah. and I'm not knocking those that, that that do that. A lot of them are in the pipeline industry, but you have CWIs in the pipeline industry as well. Again, it's personal opinion based upon what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And there are people out there that don't have either that have worked in quality for companies that are jam up very knowledgeable because they are passionate about what they do. I understand this, but when it comes to mitigating risk Mm -hmm. Mm and being able to put something and present it to a client or should, God forbid, something go wrong, whether it's our work or not, but could be next door to something that happens, we want to be able to put forth all of our documentation and prove that our work was done the way it was supposed to have been done. Right. I have a philosophy that I impart to all of the personnel, all the people that work with me, and as well as our leadership team. He who has the best documentation will always win. <laughs> I love it. I love <laughs> That's it. A if
0: a great you ever way to wrap find up. yourself <laughs> either either
1: in either with a client during a, the course of a project on who did what or how this was yep. done, was this approved, not approved? If you have your documentation, copies of your emails. All of your RFIs, anything uh-huh. and everything that you have, don't rely on memory. We all get older. We all get busy. Yep. We, f- we lose notebooks. Officially document everything because when it comes down to the, the final mm-hmm. accounting, or should you ever have to go before a board of review because there was a, a an issue someplace where there was damage to property or loss of life or injuries, you want to make sure you can prove that your work was of the utmost top quality. Well...
2: We are two minutes over, but this is a topic that I could talk about for for hours. So, so maybe next time. Next time. We we will <laughs> definitely have you back on to talk about documentation. that, that is a uh, hot topic. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Hey guys, this is Darcy with Quality Matters. We really appreciate you listening and if you enjoy it, we invite you to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, comment, leave us a review. We're happy to hear from you.